Pretty cool stuff happening tonight at the Yingling Center. We will be, of course, going on the air, as I said earlier, the normal for women's basketball. Why? Because we're going to be on WDAE as well, 95.3 WDAE, which is a big friend of USF, but as far as play-by-play goes, only carries football as far as events and the Jeff Scott Show. Well, tonight, as part of a special promotion, the idea of Jay Retcher, who you heard his voice with the baseball broadcast. He is on our airways for the third year now, part of the football games. Helped out with women's basketball when I had my eye problems two years ago and is really going to be more voice this season. He's going to do some softball games for us as well. And again, Jay not going to be around this weekend because he is going to be covering the Lightning's summer series in Nashville. And that's why, well, we've hopefully got some special stuff lined up for the baseball broadcast this weekend. I know it won't be me and Jay, but it could be a couple guys you might know about. But anyway, tonight it's going to be the end of a long day of coverage on WDAE. Jay Retcher and buddy Ian Beckles will be and he's my buddy too, not just Jay's, broadcasting their show live from the Yingling Center. So if you want to tune in, you can. I will let you tune off of Bulls Unlimited starting at 3 o'clock because they are going to be doing a USF-themed show. Jose Fernandez is scheduled to join right off the top. They will have more coaches. They'll probably have Michael Kelly. And they're going to have our broadcast. So if you hear some different broadcasting elements tonight, if you're listening on Unlimited, that's why, because it's essentially a simulcast on the radio side. With that, we'll be on the air at 6.30. I plan on having Mr. Kelly early in the pregame myself, and then Jay's going to join us at the beginning of the second quarter alongside myself and Bridget Miranda. Sometimes it's a one-man booth. In this case, it'll be three people for a little bit of the broadcast with the Bulls and Wichita State. And we'll tell you a little bit about the Shockers at the end of the show, but a catch-up session for you, and a lot has happened this year, and it has gone from great to not so great to concerning to... Uh, Take a step back and look at what's actually happening elsewhere around college basketball. And yes, the Bulls racked up some fantastic wins. We talked about how softball scheduled strong in the past, but had a losing record and it was an uphill battle to try and get on the winning side. Well, Jose Fernandez's women's basketball team is always going to be on the winning side. They're going to the NCAA tournament more years than not of late. The issue for them has been trying to get to the point where they're hosting an NCAA tournament regional, and they were headed in that direction this year. Of course, you have to be in the top 16 in the eyes of the committee to get to host. In the past, the Bulls have been, no matter how good their season was, kind of put into a Florida regional, namely headed to Tallahassee, even when their seed doesn't allow for it. Last year, with no regional host in San Antonio, we figured it would be a good, honest seeding, wouldn't be geography-based. Bulls won their first conference championship, won the conference tournament championship, and got stuck in the 8-9 game and had to run into a top seed NC State in the second round after beating Washington State in the first round. So the whole goal was to schedule strong and to, if you're not going to be able to host a regional, at least be above that 8-9 status. And boy, were the Bulls there heading into around Christmas time. Started off their season with a couple of expected wins against Rio Grande Valley and Alabama State. Had some issues against UTRGV, but got it going. Then they went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and looked like they were going to pull off a big-time win. Tennessee is going to be a regional host, even though they've fallen off lately. They're on the cut line, but they were in the top 10 for most of the year, and the Bulls had them on the ropes. Pins on as the Bulls are starting to feel comfortable on offense. Bermejo over to Harvey for another three. Good! Sydney Harvey! Two in a row! Now the Bulls are starting to light it up. They would lead 27-18 to in that game. 
they would lead in Knoxville by six with seven minutes to go, but they only scored five points in the entire fourth quarter. Got to say, maybe the moment caught up to them just a little bit. Still, on an Elisa Pinzon three-pointer with 45 seconds left, they took the lead. Then a key three-point play by Tennessee standout Jordan Horston. One of those could have gone either way calls. Maybe a charge, which you were not going to get in Knoxville, but maybe a no-call. Didn't, and the Bulls did not hit another shot. They had multiple chances to either win or force overtime. So, tough loss to take into the Bahamas, but still a little bit of an idea of what they could do. They cruise past Syracuse and earn a spot against number two at the time with Paige Beckers healthy at the time, UConn. And the Bulls were looking like it was going to be a game where they would fall behind by double digits, but they hung around. And then they turned it on with an amazing run in the third quarter. And I know this game wasn't on TV locally or streaming, so a lot of people were tuned in. And it was exciting for quite a good bit. Don wants to drive over to Manunga, wide open for three. They're going to let her have it, and she knocks it down! Hit me up, BM! A three-point shot, and it's 42-39. to 39. Williams to Juhas, Manunga pops out on her. She can shoot the three, by the way. She hit 40 of them. As a sophomore at Ohio State tries to handle there and loses the ball, and the Bulls steal it. Another forced turnover. They want to run with Janecki right in front of me. Now drives... Puts it up and in! It's a one-point game! 42 to 41. Had to lay it up high over Nelson Adota and did. Not been this close since 0 to 0, and really 0 to 0 doesn't count because most games start off 0 to 0. It was 6 nothing off the jump. 42-41. Pins on. Wants it, get it in the hands of Chnecki. Thought about a 30-footer, thought better of it. Boy, the defense is tough for Edwards out there. Chinecki might want to call timeout over to Manunga. Calls for it. Now drives the lane for the lead and gives it a lead to the Bulls. 43-42, One ten to go here in the third quarter. Menunga with an aggressive drive to the hoop. Over to Chinecki, long from the basket. Wants to drive on Westbrook, 10 on the shot clock. Drives in, lefty, rims out, but Menunga gets the board. Puts it up and rolls out. Bulls fighting for the board. Shea gets it, lays it up and in. The Bulls lead by three, 45-42. That was just about as good as the Bulls could play. Unfortunately, UConn's Paige Beckers decided to take an off-balance three to end the third quarter, and AZ Fudd, their freshman, started the fourth with a three, so the Bulls couldn't enjoy that three-point lead for long and didn't have it again, but 60-53 to again. At the time, their losses were to Tennessee in a close one and to UConn in a close one. Then they took third place in the Bahamas, beating Oregon, albeit a shorthanded team, but top 10 at the time. Then they went to another event. They added this game just because Stanford was hanging around in the Bahamas and didn't want to come down just to play two games. And boy, are the Bulls glad they added this contest. The defending national champions go down. So here we go. Bulls down two. 9.2 seconds left. Betty Manunga will inbounds the ball. Gets it over to Chinecki. Fakes the three. Lacey Hole out on her. Harvey with six. Long three. Good! With 2.8 to go! Sydney Harvey with an incredible shot! She didn't really have time to set herself. She just chucked and hoped. And it swished in. And the Bulls have a 55-54 lead. They try and go underneath for a two. They're not going to get the shot off in time. No! No good! The Bulls do it! They've done it here in the Bahamas! Two top ten wins in an incredible week! That was definitely the high point of the season. The Bulls were ranked as high as number 12. Then they couldn't follow it up. They came back to the States 
and lost to what I contend is a very good Texas Arlington team, but you still got to perform better overall. And they got beat 61 to 56, and then you get to sit around for 10 days. They go to VCU, which is near the top of the A-10, and they were down by 16 points. Went with a different lineup, stuck with the same five in the fourth quarter. Dulce Fankamangiadu keys a 15-0 run. And when I say different lineup, Sarah Guerrero, who averages six minutes a game, and Ariel Wilson, who averages seven minutes a game, and less than a point per contest, played the entire fourth quarter. It was a different win, prompting Jose Fernandez to supply perhaps the quote of the year. Well, Derek, I think you should and see if there's a Brinks truck around the corner because I think we just stole this one here. And it's pretty much a good thing they did. If that doesn't happen, then we're probably sweating out the NCAA tournament spot, believe it or not. But more on that in a second. They would follow that up with two home wins, the second one being against High Point and Jose Fernandez's 400th career victory. Then it was off to West Palm and a great performance against West Virginia. Unfortunately, that was looked at as a win against a team that had been ranked, which is true, and would be in the NCAA tournament, but West Virginia is below 500. Still a great performance, 77-55 and 8 of 13 on threes. That was when the Bulls were playing at their best. Next day, they were leading Ole Miss at halftime, but really struggled to score in the second half and lost Ole Miss. Now, again, the Rebels are going to make the NCAA tournament, so you don't really have any bad losses at this point. The only team outside of the top 50 being Texas Arlington, and I think they could win the Sun Belt and also make the tournament. Bulls beat Jacksonville, then it's conference play, except the first game against Memphis never happened due to COVID suspensions. They go to Cincinnati. They're up 23-4 to at the end of the first quarter. They're shooting the ball fine. Then so much for shooting the ball fine, and this has been the issue for the Bulls. In conference play, they are below 20% from three-point land, and it has bit them in some games. It has forced them to win in other methods. Elena Chinecki took over, for example, with 10 points in overtime against Temple. She also scored 30 points against Tulsa. Those were back-to-back close home wins that followed a really bad performance at UCF, 67-51. They were humbled by the Knights. So they win the two close ones at home. Then they go on the road. They're down six at halftime, beat SMU. Then they go to Houston and win by 20. In none of those games do they shoot the three well. Then it really officially caught up to them on February the 6th at home against Tulane, which just sat back in his own and said, you're not hitting threes, we'll let you shoot them. The Bulls missed their first 21, and they lose to the Green Wave by 12. Tulane had won 19 in a row against the Bulls. They followed that up by going to Temple and winning, but it was 49-40. It was not a pretty performance. And then 54-33, home loss to UCF that prompted Jose Fernandez to raise concerns about making the NCAA tournament. He also said if they go to the WNIT, they're not going because they are above that right now. Now, they beat Cincinnati in their last game. We're replaying it today. Finally started to hit some threes, not a ton, but enough. And now the last four games of the regular season. As far as the NCAA tournament outlook, if you're concerned, the only way the Bulls don't get in is if they, I'd say, lose two of their final four and then get beat early in the conference tournament, like the first round. Because what's happened... The power conferences have had their bubble teams kind of falter. So where the SEC looked like a nine-bid league, it's looking more like an eight-bid league as Mississippi State, Missouri, Arkansas, Texas A&M has started to falter. ACC was always good for seven teams with Boston College as a possible eighth. Well, the Eagles aren't getting it done. Pac-12 was maybe a seven-bid league, but teams like Oregon State and Arizona State have gotten towards 500 with some losses. So basically the non-power conferences 
could get as many as eight teams. And the Bulls are sure to get one of those eight again unless they really go and maybe lose more games than they win the rest of the way. Two things to remember, they have expanded the field, so there are four more bids to be had. But also, if you get one of those final four at-larges, you're having to play an extra game. So Bulls want to finish strong. They'll play Wichita State twice in the next three games, trying to stay in second place. UCF's at 12-1 and in the league. Bulls are at 8-3, and 18-7 overall. Tulane 9 and 4 also 18 and 7 overall. Wichita State is in the ninth spot at 4 and 8, 13 and 12 overall, but coming off a win against Memphis, Mariah McCauley had 23 points. She's their leader, 12 points per game. Asia Strong averages 10 points. They picked her up out of junior college last year. This year's big JUCO pickup was Jane Ascende. She's a double-double threat with 9 points and 8.5 boards. And Seraphine Bastin is a great point guard. She can score, but really more of a passer, 82 assists and rebounder. Second on the team and one of the best rebounding guards in the country. In fact, just six active point guards have 500 career rebounds. She is one of them as far as the Bulls. Chinecki's been leading the way, 14.5 points. Both Betty Menunga and Dulce Fankamengiadu averaging exactly 11.1. In conference play, all of their numbers have been a couple points per game more than that, but then there's the drop-off. Their point guard, Elisa Pinzon, only averaging 5 points in conference play, 4 of 30 on threes. Though Sydney Harvey hit a couple the other day, stunningly, she's only averaging 3 points in conference play, 6 of 37 on threes. So Pinzon and Harvey are the two players that they can get it going. Here in these last four games, the Bulls will look a lot better heading into the postseason. We'll be on the air at 6.30 tonight, Bulls and Wichita State. That's Bulls beat for a Tuesday. Horns up. I'm Derek Sharp.